happy to welcome in for the Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast, getting back with Montana head soccer coach Chris Chitovitsky as the Grizzlies head into the last weekend of the regular season. And joining us here for the first time, fifth-year senior Taylor Hansen. Excited to do this. Uh, we had you in at the end of the non-conference schedule. It's been a, an up-and-down conference schedule a little bit. Yeah. You guys scoring goals sort of for the first time last weekend. I think you guys went a long time without scoring more than one goal in a game. But two good wins last weekend over Idaho and Eastern Washington. Correct. And heading into a really important last weekend of the season here, Weber State, and then is it Idaho State yeah. coming to town? Yeah. Just your thoughts on, on this weekend, where you guys are sitting in the conference, what you need to do this weekend, just to, to get people sort of, give, give them the big picture. Yeah. Um, I think quite simply, if we, we need to beat Weber and Idaho State. And then we need Weber to go off and beat Northern Colorado. And that clinches first place for us, which would be three in a row, I think, of us finishing first in the conference, which would be pretty cool. Um, I definitely feel like we can pull it off, so I'm pretty excited about that. And then Sunday's also senior day, so how do you feel about that, being a senior that's about to leave? Um, excited. Um, very excited. Uh, a little sad, too, to have the my career ending here um but also very grateful for all the time it just really senior days time to reflect i feel like on the past five years now um yeah it's just gonna be an exciting day yeah taylor you've been around for a long time here i mean would how have you changed since you first got here i mean what do you think about montana now this as it's different from when you were coming in as a freshman like you said five years ago yeah um i was here before chris is here so right yeah um so the program's really had a lot of changes in a very great way. Um, I think we've Chris has kind of turned this program into a powerhouse, um, and we just keep getting better. Um, yeah, it's a great program to be a part of. Taylor Hansen joining us here for the Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast. Just a little background. Uh, Fifth-year senior, like you said, from San Diego, outside back. Recently set the program record for games played, right? And going for the program record in minutes, or do you already have that one too? I already have the minutes one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just got them all. Congra- <laughs> congratulations, but that's that's who we're talking to. I, one of the one of the greatest players in Montana soccer history here. Did you have any emotions around around passing up those records? I mean, those are records of perseverance, right? Not not so much like getting lucky and scoring four goals in a game or whatever. But you've been here year in and year out and just playing the entire time. Yeah, um, I was joking with Chris. That's what you get for showing up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's just really an honor and a blessing uh, to be in this program for that long and be able to contribute um, that amount of minutes. Um, yeah, I'm just very grateful for the opportunity I've been given. Chris, we gushed over Taylor the last time you were in here. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit more about you know her as a player, the role that she fills for this team because it's it's uh, she's a super fun player to watch, um, and I think that you know the the role that she plays is really interesting. Yeah, exactly. We just want to get her as high up the field as possible while also retaining some of those defensive skills, right? So um, you like players like her because they are entertaining. I think you nailed it right there. You do want to have a squad full of players who entertain. If you look at the biggest teams in the world. You watched Real Madrid for a while with Ronaldo there, right? There was an entertainment factor to it. People want to, my son wanted to watch highlights of Man United Champions League last night because he wanted to see Ronaldo play again because he knew that he had scored a goal. And so people show up. I know this for a fact. People come just to watch her play, not necessarily just the Grizz. They just want to come see Taylor Hansen running around. And so she adds that extra value to it that 
sometimes you just don't have. And so we're just lucky to have somebody special like that. And it's our job to continue recruiting more players like that who don't just provide the soccer aspect, but just an entertainment value to it too that is so cool. Taylor, what was the backstory to your career? Because you were here before I was too. I mean, this second time. How'd you end up in Missoula from, from San Diego? Um, Mark Placoris, the coach here at the time, just heavily recruited me. Um, I really didn't know where Montana was, <laughs> um, but just came out, took a visit, fell in love with just the people here in Missoula, um, and kind of had me sold from the start. That's awesome. That's the story I get from so many. That's so interesting just talking to a bunch of Montana athletes who are have that exact same story. So, you know, I've talked to basketball players from California. I mean, football guys from over in Seattle are like, we have no idea where Missoula is or what it was going to be like, but we got this chance and it turned out to be the greatest thing for me. So that's that's super cool. Joining me here on the Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast, Montana head coach Chris Chitovitsky, Montana right back Taylor Hansen. As the Grizzlies go into a really big weekend, the final weekend of the regular season, seems like the Weber State game is the big one, and you guys are playing that one, uh, is that tonight? Friday night. Friday yeah. night. Oh, Friday afternoon, I should say. Three o'clock. Yeah. We're, we're recording this on Thursday morning. We're going to get it out before these two games hit this weekend. What's Weber State look like? I mean, what are you expecting from them this weekend? Because I know Idaho State, we can talk about Idaho State too, but Weber State seems like it's the big game this weekend. Yeah, Weber's currently tied for first place. And so watching them play last spring, even though they were in a separate division to us because of that COVID division schedule that we had, um, you could tell they were going to be good this year. And so I had previously picked them to finish first this year because you could tell there's momentum in that program and there's a very good coach in there. And so they... I think it's going to be the first time that we're playing a game since non-conference where both teams are actually going to attempt to play a little bit more soccer. Everybody else that we've been playing is very comfortable with their goalkeeper getting the ball and punting it as far down the field as possible and then trying to kick it over the top of us and run it down or get a free kick and try to score from that. Weber's going to try to play. We're going to have to be exceptionally disciplined in our shape if we want to pick those balls off that they're trying to play and they're going to have to do the same thing. So it's going to be an immensely entertaining game, which is why I highly recommend that people come out and watch it play. That's a great. That's a great sales point. Yeah, uh, go out Friday at three. Friday at three. South Campus Field, Montana yeah. against Weber State. Potential first place in the conference on the line. Uh, Going to be an entertaining game. Taylor, uh, your thoughts on that game? I mean, when is the last time you guys played them? Because you were in different divisions in the spring. When when was the last time you guys have actually played Weber State? Probably twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, but like Chris said, they're a team that moves the ball really well. Um, it's always a fun game to be a part of because it's pretty soccer, I think. Um, and yeah, just a good game. Let's talk about that a little bit. I watched your guys win over Idaho over the weekend, which was a, a super weird game and sort of the extreme of that kind of game, like we're talking about with the other team being really comfortable to sit back because Idaho scored in the first five minutes of that game. And then just sort of the entire rest of the game was played in their half of the field. What's it like uh, playing a game like that, coaching a game like that, where you know what you have to do? It's very obvious what you have to do. They're, the other team is letting you get a lot of what you want, but they're just so packed in like that. Yeah. Um, it can be frustrating, right? Yeah. I mean, take what are your thoughts on it? You were in that moment, in that first half specifically, as yeah. we tried to break that down. No, it can definitely be very frustrating, I think, because we were creating a lot of opportunities, and it's like, wow, why isn't it falling? We've had countless shots. Um Keeper made some saves, but just got to find a way to win. We came out in the second half and got it done. Um, yeah, that was a fun game to be a part of. 
And I think going down 1-0, it was cool to see the team not waver from the game plan and just keep going to attack instead of getting discouraged by the goal that happened. What do you tell them? I mean, because you guys were still, I think, down one nothing at halftime. Uh, it was... It was working because you guys had a lot of possession, but it was a lot of you know long shots mm-hmm. and crosses when you guys get into the attacking third. What do you tell them at halftime to sort of just get them to maybe be a little bit more patient, a little bit more in- incisive, or, or do you just tell them to, to keep going with what they're doing? Yeah, super smart comment there. Um, we, we were a little bit more, especially once the subs came in, we became a bit more direct with what we were trying to do, and you can't do it against a team that's packing it in that much. You've got to create the spaces by changing the point more often. So, hence the idea of playing with five across the middle. You can move it from wingback Taylor to wingback Z or Ava, and then just move that ball across the field to create the spaces that you want in the middle. And so, you look at the first goal, it comes from a throw in on the right that builds down to the left and then comes back into the middle to Molly Massman on six, comes out to Taylor who scores, right? So, it's gone wingback to wingback. And then, next goal is the same thing. It goes from a throw in on the right, swings across the middle into Z, who's now isolated 1v1 in the 18 yard box, not crossing from outside of it. She's in the 18, she can cut in, she can shoot, hits the post, we score the goal. So, it was more so can we keep moving it across the field to stretch them? Because it sucks having to go from the left side of the field to the right side of the field, not just dropping and heading the ball out, but you gotta move left, you gotta move right. Um, and so we, we really challenged Idaho that way to see if they could maintain that shape, and they couldn't. It just opened up the gaps that we needed to score the goals we needed. Quick digression with you here. I, what's your philosophy on subbing, uh, getting players in and out? Because in the college game, you, you can run players in and out when you need to. Yeah. Uh, how did you develop your philosophy on that, and, and what do you do when you're in-game trying to make those decisions? Yeah, it really depends on the opponent that we're playing against. Um, what we're sensing out there. We have, we have different players who can do different things. If we want to get in behind more often because somebody's playing a little bit higher up the field, we do have some speedsters who can do that, right? Um, and so it really, if you're playing NAU and you know it's going to be, or Southern Utah, every single ball is going to be punted away by the goalkeeper in the air, then you need sixes who can head the ball out, right? And you need two additional midfielders who can pick up that second ball. So everything depends on the opponent that we're playing against. And then sometimes to preserve Taylor's legs, knowing that we still have playoffs to go in an NCAA tournament potentially, then you start taking her out to conserve it. And lucky for us this year, if we go into the bench, it's very, very good. We have game changers. We don't have subs who can hold it. We have people who can win a game for us when they come on the field. Yeah, Taylor, following up on that, I mean, like we've talked about, you've played the most minutes in Montana Grizzlies history. Your role as as the right right fullback, I mean, getting up and down the wing is really uh, cardio heavy, cardio intensive. I <laughs> yeah, mean, you need, you need to be in really great shape. <laughs> yeah. How do, how do you build for that, knowing that you're going to be doing that all season? Um, I, I don't know. I really like working out in general, so it kind of just comes. Um, just focusing on the soccer aspect of the game, I think that takes my mind off of the running. Um, and I don't know, I like putting in the work, so it's not really, I don't really have to gear myself up for it, I guess. Yeah, Taylor's one of those outliers, I feel like, where if you look at a graph, you have your normal bell curve, but then you just have somebody who's a genetic mutant. And so she just happens to be, she has the genes that she can run forever the whole time. She could probably take three weeks off and still beat everybody in a fitness test, which she never would do because that's not in her mindset. I mean, her balance is working out extra. So yeah, she's just gifted that way. But her workouts have changed over the time where she even took more time this summer to balance things out and do it a little bit differently to everybody else on the team, but still came in fit and was fine. Talking here to Montana head coach Chris Chitovitsky, Montana right back Taylor Hansen for the Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast. 
as Montana goes into the final weekend of the regular season. It's been a while uh, since I've talked to you, Chris. I mean, I know we talked at the end of the non-conference season. Walk me through your guys' season a little bit because some struggles to score goals a little bit, and you were winning games, but winning games one nothing, drawing games 1-1 for a little bit there. What were those couple weeks like in the in the middle of the conference season there? Um, they were interesting. Um, it was a ton of more opportunities created than previous years. But if you look at out 3-5-2, at times it looked like a 5-3-2, right? We almost had too many people back. We were too conservative on one end. If the opponent has two players up top, why are we sitting with five in the back? If an opponent has three players up top, why are we sitting with five in the back? We can technically go 3v3 in the back line if we wanted to. And so we were playing a little too conservative on our defensive side of things. So we were still getting good opportunities, but we were getting 10 shots per game on average and getting maybe two to three really clean looks. And now sitting down after Northern Colorado and Portland and getting frustrated with that and realizing that we need to get further up the field, specifically with the wingbacks, uh, telling the center backs, it is your job to pull the wingback back when you realize when number's even or number's down. But otherwise, I don't need Taylor running as much as she runs in a game. She's coming back for no reason half the time. If you looked at the film, you'd be like, why is she running back? I have no idea. There's no one there. But Taylor's booking it back into the back line, pointlessly. And now when we win the ball, who's up the field? Nobody. And so we can't score goals now. And now just changing that philosophy in itself and saying, I need the wingbacks higher up the field. Don't, don't bring them back unless you have to. Now we're putting on 42 shots in two games, 20-something on goal, 15 corners, I think, over the two games. It's insane because you take a dangerous player going forwards and you stick her where she should be, creating chances as opposed to in the back line. So now we can really overwhelm teams because we're a little bit smarter without positioning. Yeah, um, it was nice getting higher up the past couple of games. Um, I think we've always been known as a really defensive team. Um, we don't give up goals is what our back line says. And so it's just been ingrained in us to tuck back, be defensive-minded. Um, and it was at first considered a risk going forward, but now it's just part of the job. We score goals and we defend well. Um, and so getting the wing backs higher up the field, it opens the game up for us. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting to me because the last time that we talked, you guys were coming off, whatever, 6-6-0 against Texas Southern. And then seeing those results in conference, it's like, oh, right. At heart, maybe this team is still a team that just grinds out results because nobody's going to score on them. And you guys can score off a set piece or a scramble in there, and that's fine. And that's results. And we sort of talked about that dichotomy when you were in here last time because your goal is to win a game in the NCAA tournament. And... I mean, that's what you're going to have to do in the NCAA tournament. Exactly. How big of, how big of an adjustment was it for you, Taylor, I mean, as a, as a defender, to sort of embrace that role now, like we talked about the last couple of weeks, pushing up more, not worrying so much about, you know, defensive work? Um, I love it. Um, I think for me, attacking has always been the fun part of the game, and defending is just what I did. Um, it was kind of an afterthought. I mean, our team does it really well, but getting up the field and creating assists and creating chances is the fun part of the game. Of course, a big part of that defense is Camelia Zhu, who has been sort of the breakout star of this season. I think, what, five Defensive yeah. Player of the Week <laughs> awards, which is She's awesome. because you guys were getting two shutouts every weekend and yeah. winning one nothing, and that was incredible. I... I don't know anything about her, really, because a, f a freshman coming in from, from Vancouver. Tell me a little bit about her. We talked a little bit about her in the preseason and just what she was going to have to do. But what she, what, what's she like? I mean, how has she been playing this well? 
uh, let Tay talk on Cam's personality a little bit with games. Yeah, um, someone referred to her as Superman. Uh, <laughs> no, she's, as a person, she's humble, hardworking, very supportive, just fun to be around. Um, yeah, she makes some crazy saves. Uh, she's stepped up big time this season um, and just came in clutch for us. She's a great teammate and just fun to work with. You know, I got a follow-up question on that, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, Taylor Spent, we met in preseason, and I talked about it'll be interesting to see who the voice of the back line is because, and she said, for my entire career, I've had Claire behind me. So, of course, in the back of my mind, with us being a defensive-orientated team, what is it going to be like to have somebody new there? So now that you've gone through some weeks of CAM, what is it? Is it are you comfortable with Cam back there? Because I know you were very comfortable with Claire telling you what to do all the time. Yeah. How is that being different? Um, I yeah. I mean, change is difficult. Um, having Claire back there my entire career, and then having Cam come in uh, is a big change. Um, but I think just seeing what Cam's capable of, the trust is there completely, and there's no doubt in my mind. And I think our back line, we're solid. So there's no really worries or anything there. Talking, of course, about Claire Howard, who was probably the greatest goalkeeper in Big Sky history, mm-hmm. graduated after last year, and that was the big question around the team. And I think that's why Camelia Zhu coming in has been s- such a revelation because you don't expect that same level of play. It's not fair to expect that same level of play right. out of any freshman replacing Claire Howard, and it's been really close, I think, to the same. I mean, and she's the same sort of acrobatic shot stopper just really athletic pulls off some crazy stuff so that's been a great storyline so far for you guys let's wrap up talking about this weekend and we'll move on to some other stuff after after you guys play Weber State on Friday Idaho State coming in mm-hmm. Idaho State's a team that I have watched a little bit because I used to work down there uh, at the Pocatello newspaper so I know Debs Brereton a little bit know some of the players a little bit have watched them a little bit. Not a, not a good season for them this year. I know they're sort of she's trying to turn over the roster again for not the first time in her tenure. Mm-hmm. A lot of young players there. What what have you thought of that team though? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's I think twenty four freshmen, something like that. It's insane, Holy. right? So it's an exceptionally young team. Debs is organized. She wants to play soccer. They can move the ball well. It's it's dangerous. You just but. The message that we tell our team is we need to be consistent every single game. It doesn't matter who we play against. You treat everyone the same. And right now, that is completely overwhelm them. Overwhelm them with the positioning of the wingbacks, with the positioning of our attacking midfielders, and just go at them. And if they can't handle it, they lose. So we'll respect them by giving them our very best shot. Absolutely. I mean, that'll be interesting because you guys still, regardless of what happens against Weber State, you guys will still, I mean, that game still means a lot. It does. Yes. For seeding potentially, exactly. potentially for the conference title if some things break your way. Yeah. So second, third, first, second, or oh, third is what we're playing for. Yep. What have you thought about the other teams in the conference this year? I know Northern Colorado has been very good. What's sort of the top tier in your guys's estimation? Yeah, Northern Colorado, Weber, NAU is a good team as well. It's been surprisingly there's been four teams that have kind of broken away, but there's been. Over my years here, teams have definitely caught up from the bottom. Southern Utah is better this year. Uh, Portland State is much better this year. Sacramento changed some things and are getting better now towards the end of the year. So it's, yeah, it's more competitive than it has been, and yet the teams at the top have somehow still found a way to break away. So it's pretty cool to see. Taylor, have you thought that too? I mean, you've been here for a long time. I mean, like we discussed, you've been here longer than Chris has. Uh, Have you seen 
the same sort of parity from the teams at the bottom rising up a little bit, making it more difficult on you? Yeah, I think generally, like Chris said, we have the top four teams um, that are always consistent, always give us good game. Um, and I do think the level in general has risen since I've been here, which is awesome to see because um, it just makes everybody else better and it makes us better too. This is something that you might not want to think about. Which of those teams, sort of the four at the top, Northern Colorado, you mentioned Weber State, Northern Arizona, which of those teams do you think is the toughest matchup for you in, in, the, in the conference tournament potentially? Uh, all of them for different reasons. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's a one-off game too, so you hate that, right? Well, so anybody's yeah. a difficult matchup if, exactly. you're, if, if you lose and you're out, sure. Exactly, yeah. All of them are good in different ways, and so we just got to prepare for them. NAU we know is going to be a lot more direct with a ton of speed up top. Weber's going to move the ball more. Northern Colorado is going to play it down the right-hand side, try to get a flip throw or a cross in the box, and they have good, when it comes to scoring in the 18, they're very good at that. So everybody's got something different to offer. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who we draw. This is Soccer in Snow and Smoke, the new soccer podcast from ESPN Missoula. I'm Andrew Houghton, and on Soccer in Snow and Smoke, I'll bring you everything you need to know about the beautiful game, from the Montana Grizzlies and local high school programs to the Premier League. Listen to the Footy 15 segment twice a month on Nuanez Now, 4 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday on 102.9 ESPN Missoula, and find the full show online on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Montana head coach Chris Chitovitsky, Montana right back, Taylor Hansen with me on the Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast. Been a great conversation so far. We've talked about this season a lot. Let's move on looking into the future. Taylor, for you especially, I know that when Chris was in here last time, he talked about, you know, you have designs on a pro career. Uh, this team has sent some players to the pros recently. Yep. I'm just curious what that process looks like. I mean, how do you transition from college soccer into playing professionally now? And I know that uh, you guys have sent some players overseas like Alexa Coyle, but what does that route look like regardless of whether you're going overseas or trying to play domestically here? I think it's... Uh, I don't know. Chris, do you want to Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she's in? got a... She, she needs guidance from us on that end. It's either getting an agent pretty quick, right? Uh, the, the easiest thing now, because we have some inroads into certain teams in the NWSL is putting her video together and sending it directly to the coaches before the drive comes around. You need to be on a radar before the drive comes in order for you to get pulled out. It's not going to be Taylor puts her name in the drive and she gets drafted. They have to know about her beforehand. So that that's easy enough to do. She's already getting the social media attention on that side of things and now it's just putting the video together to send to them also. And then getting an agent helps immensely because they have the ties, the direct line of communication of the coaches that you want. So setting her up with the right agent um, and seeing where it goes from there. No matter what, she's either playing domestically or overseas. It's going to be fun to watch. Do, do you have thoughts on that? I mean, would you prefer to stay here or do you want to go to Europe somewhere? Um, I, I think staying here would be really cool just because I feel like my family can be a part of it with me too. Um, but overseas, I think the experience that would offer is incredible too. Can't really go wrong. Um, I'm really just grateful to continue my journey with soccer. I just love playing it and I think to continue to continue to grow as a player is just what I want. When was the first time you started thinking about that as a possibility for you, right? I mean, yeah. has it, is it recently or is it? have you been thinking about it for a while? No, I think, I mean, I always thought it'd be like a cool dream to go play. Um, I didn't realize how close I actually was until probably sophomore, junior year. 
Um, especially, I think, we haven't really seen it at Montana until recently. Um, and so to have some girls pave the way is pretty awesome. Chris, what do you do to prep a player, especially if they are going overseas, like Alexa Coyle, who's playing in Scotland now? What are the biggest things that you tell them or try to help them with? Uh, not so much for the soccer side of it, but just for preparing for living over there and being a professional at the same time. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, let's actually backtrack a little bit. You got to go like, if, in Taylor's case, if I had recruited her, we'd have to go six to seven years back. And the original meeting that you have with a kid and you ask the question of, do you want to play professionally overseas? Because the, the market for the women's game is pretty high now. And look at this list of players that I have that have gone on to play overseas. If that's what you want to do, I can provide you the part there. And then if they say yes, and then you meet with them and you ask them again, is that one of the program goals is to send players overseas? Yes, I want to do that. Molly Curry, I want to get back into the youth national team set up for Canada. Cam wants to get into that youth national team set up for Canada. I can sit with those people and say, you told me you wanted to do this. My expectations of you are a lot higher than somebody who's telling me they're just coming here to play soccer. No. So you and I are doing extra work, extra training, all this extra stuff because you want to get here. You don't want to just be a D1 soccer player. You want to go professionally. So now I can prep them physically and soccer-wise for four years much different to somebody who's just coming here to play on the team for us. And so that lays the groundwork on the soccer side of things and the mental side of things because we talk about it and you see players going and she can talk to Lex and figure out what that agent process was like. So she does a little bit of homework. We do the homework pushing her physically and soccer-wise. And then when it comes to it, it's it really depends on the culture that they're going into, right? Like we even just had a meeting as a team of look at the culture in the NWSL. There are players that are getting abused by coaches. Is that a place that you want to go into? That's a legit question that I had to say to her. I was like, do, do you want to do this? Or is Europe maybe better? And luckily our assistant coach, Ashley, who has played in the NWSL and has won a championship with the Thorns, so it's pretty cool. She's got a massive championship ring. Um, and then you've got, she played in Iceland, she played in Switzerland, she played in the Czech Republic, she played in the Champions League for Slavia Prague against Manchester City. That's pretty cool, right? So having that contact for Tay to be able to get all that experience and info is massive. And that really provides a nice framework of this would be a good culture, this would not be a good culture for you. This is how you gotta try to fit in. Like if she goes to play in Prague, it's that nobody's gonna try to learn English to communicate with her, she's gonna have to pick that up on her own, but it's a pretty safe, welcoming culture. So not a bad spot for her to go, and Ash and I have had that conversation about Tay. So, and she gets to play Champions League soccer, so why not, right? Pretty cool. Really cool. I, I met Ashley before the season, just real quick, uh, in passing. I, I had no idea. I mean, I talked with her a little bit about soccer. You That's pull her in on the podcast sometime. I will. Her stories would be amazing. I will. I want to talk to both of your assistants at some point yeah. uh, on this podcast. We will we will do it. Uh, Taylor, I mean, have you, have you thought about, you know, where you want to go? A little bit. Um, I think right now I'm just keeping my options open, um, focusing on the season and finishing it out and focusing on the here and now and then seeing where it takes me. Um, like Chris said, like getting in contact with an agent um, and seeing what my options are. Don't really want to be closed minded to anything, kind of just open. Of course. Uh, do you guys want to talk about what happened in the NWSL? I mean, sort of the big story recently is, like you said, I mean, the the, the abuse of coaches, there was uh, a scandal that had been going on for, for years and recently came to light and sort of brought that league to publicity in a way that it hadn't been before and, and not not in a great way. but. Mm -hmm. What, is, what does a story like that do for women's soccer and, and 
sort of halting the growth a little bit of women's soccer in the United States? I don't know. It's a, it's a touchy subject. Yeah, it, it hurts, to be honest. I don't know how you felt about it. Yeah. What was your initial reaction to seeing that stuff? It was tough to hear. I mean, especially at my point in my career where I want to go on, it makes you second second guess it just a little bit. Um, just kind of what kind of culture do I want to be a part of and um, where do I want to go? It's hard to hear. Uh, I think a lot of that stuff does get covered. Um, so to have it come to light, I think, is important. Um, and just to create a conversation about it. It's a touchy subject, but it needs to be talked about. Yeah, it's an overall societal problem of organizations that just don't have values in place. And it's just about doing the job. You saw it in a church setting, right? You see it in educational settings. You see it in sports settings all the time. And it's, for us, without program is... There are values in place, and I expect you to behave a certain way. If you just have a soccer program and you don't have any behaviors or standards, then, as Jay, my assistant, likes to say, the at that point, the culture will take the path of least resistance. And so it might be a drinking party culture where the coaches get together with the players and they have a couple of drinks. The next thing you know, you have issues. So... That's just not right. But I think this is at least you got to hit bottom before you can fix things, right? And I think NWSL has hit a pretty rock-hard bottom right now. Yeah, I think it says a lot about just what people, a certain organization is set up to protect. The big issue for it is it's just, it's not good for, you know, women's soccer in the United States, which has been growing and has a lot of great stories around it with the United States national team. With, I mean, the, the growth of the NWSL, I mean, it, it was a good story. You were getting a lot of people at those games. It's happening in Europe, too, more now. I mean, the, the Champions League, like you said, you start getting more people paying attention to it. And just so to have something like that is awful. What do you guys think about just the growth of women's soccer in the United States, though? I mean, have you, is that something that you have seen organically happen? I mean, where does that grow out of? Yeah, what do you think? You've been in it. Yeah, um... It's grown a ton. Um, I think even like college games are getting more recognition um, and fans now. Um, with the NWSL, that was huge too. I think a lot of the players in the NWSL, again, paved the way for the sport to become bigger. Um, I think just their efforts making soccer better for little girls in general. Yeah, I agree. It's grown astronomically since I've even gone into college coaching. It's pretty cool. Um, sometimes I feel like women's college soccer is almost more entertaining at times, right? But, um, yeah, it's cool. It, it's nice to see it grow and expand the way it is. Uh, USDA a couple of years ago where they implemented that whole philosophy of playing out of the back and we're going to try to be a more possession-orientated country. You've seen that filter into collegiate soccer now. see more teams playing that way. It's, been, it's nice to see a long-term vision playing out, to be honest. Um, and now the amount of opportunities for women to play overseas is great. I mean, she's walking into it at just the right time, in my opinion, where Manchester United's got a team, Real Madrid's got a team. How do you compete against that as the NWSL becomes my question? You don't want to tie yourself into anything. Manchester United have the funding of that entire multi-billion dollar organization to run their women's program. Portland Thorns are the Portland Thorns, right? And so how, how that's why I think overseas soccer is going to surprise the NWSL within a decade because the funding is so much better. Real Madrid's funding compared to how many NWSL teams have gone out of business over the past couple of years? Multiple, because they can't fund it and do it correctly. We have to have the federations playing the payers, the, all, all the players for their contracts, because we can't afford to pay it ourselves. The federations do it, right? While over there, Real Madrid plays it. 
So it's amazing. Right, and of course those teams have the the branding advantage, which is just, exactly. it is a recruiting advantage. I mean, if you see Real Madrid wants to come and, and offer you, and I mean teams like the Portland Thorns, Washington Spirit have been around for forever, so they have yeah. built, I mean, they've built up over 25 years, exactly. that sort of brand recognition, but it's nothing compared to the great European teams, of exactly. course, even if maybe their women's program is younger than that. I mean, yeah. if, if if Manchester United, Manchester City, whatever, Chelsea comes it calling for you. It's a program, you're right, but it's right. got the history of the name. Exactly. And that's where I think they, they'll get players. I mean, Tobin Heath is playing right now with Arsenal, so why not? Do you want to play in the Emirates Stadium? That's pretty cool. You want to train at the same ground as that men's team? Sure. Have all their resources? It's awesome. What do you think is as sort of the ceiling for women's soccer, particularly in Europe, uh, as we're sort of starting to get more attention on Women's Super League over there, Women's Champions League over yeah. there. You used to never hear about that. Yeah. Now you're hearing about you know, how Emma Hayes sets up her Chelsea team, yeah. Barcelona's in the Champions League semifinals. It's yeah. starting to become a lot more mainstream. What do you think is the, the ceiling for that? Tay, what are your thoughts on, I know we had watched, we talked about changing the point, and one of the best teams in the world at changing the point is obviously Barcelona and the women's team. And I'd shown them some clips of that. Do you feel like that level of soccer is good? Yeah, I think that level of soccer is incredible, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think we're, I think the women's game is progressing more towards how the men, the men's game is played. Um, so I think it's to head in that direction is incredible. Yeah. And you see the contrasting styles and you look at it, you're like, and you even hear the crowd engagement. You watch a Barcelona women's game and just listen to the crowd and they'll change the point or they'll play a pretty through ball. And you can hear, they appreciate the simple things. The crowd is a lot more educated almost in that term. They show up to watch good soccer. Here sometimes people show up to watch girls playing soccer. Very different. I'm here to support women. I'm here to, over there, it's I'm here to support women playing good level of soccer and I expect them to play a good level of soccer and win. That's pretty, that's an educated crowd base. Of course. And you get that through the history of the club. Right, because they've already had it. I mean, they've seen yeah. great soccer for, for years yeah. and years and years and it's the expectation. Yes, while here it's just, Oh, women playing sports? Cool. So we're still so young in the NWSL. People are like, oh, it's been around forever. It's still the crowd, the base needs to be more educated still, in my opinion, to then show up. Even here, Joel, our SID, has commented that we'll play certain things, we'll play a style, and you can hear that the crowd gets engaged with it. So I feel like the Missoula crowd base is actually quite um, intelligent when it comes to soccer, and they want certain things, and when they see it, they applaud it, and they get excited about it. Right? It gets them out of their seats a little. Um, hence the pressure on us to play more offensive attacking soccer because it seems like that's what the crowd here wants. So there's so many dynamics and levels to this and it's cool to see the women's game in the U.S. moving in that direction where people don't just, yes, women do play soccer. We all understand that now. That's just a part of it. Now I want to see intelligent soccer. I want to see goals. I want to see it look a certain way and play a certain way. So as Tay had said, it's moving more towards the men's side of things and that's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's that's a great point. We talked about this a little bit the last time you were here. I thought that was such an interesting point, just wanting to play what the fans want and wanting to play what the fans expect, and sometimes that puts pressure on you. But if you can do it, of course, it's it's better. Montana head coach Chris Chitovitsky, Montana defender Taylor Hansen with me on the Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast. I'm Andrew Houghton. Before I let you guys go, I mean, just... Any, any more thoughts coming up towards the end of the season here? I mean, these are the games that you build up all season for. It's why you guys played. I know the difficult non-conference schedule. It's why you guys played, you know, tried things out through the early part of the conference season. It's why you guys switched, started pushing the wingbacks up more, made tweaks. Now it's when you've got to 
you got to do it. I mean, how does it feel, Taylor, for you to be going into that part of the season again? Um, I think it's, ex- I mean, it's exciting. Um, just because we've put in all the work towards, I mean, at the beginning of the season, mid-season, we've learned a lot along the way, and now it's just executing and playing how we know how to play. Yeah, and we have the experience of being here before, which is really nice. They know what it takes to win titles, and so they're going to show up and do just that. So it's, as my boss would say, it's expected for us to be here. So (laughs) we're supposed to be here, and we are here, and we're going to do what we always try to do, which is win. Montana head coach Chris Chitovitsky, Montana defender Taylor Hansen with me on the Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast. Montana, (laughs) heading into the last weekend of the regular season playing Weber State tomorrow, Friday. That's October 22nd at 3 p.m. at South Campus Stadium. Great game between two of the best teams in the conference. Huge implications for seeding. And then you guys are coming back this weekend against Idaho State. When when is that game? Uh, one o'clock against Idaho State. Sunday. Sunday, and that's Senior Day. So you want to see Taylor Hansen play one more time at home? Come on out. Last chance. Last and, chance. and then the conference tournament starts in Greeley. Um, nine days after that, we have a whole week break. Okay. So that that's a little unique. But just just to throw this out here too, all of our training sessions were open. So if people want to come out and watch us practice anytime and see how we work, they're more than welcome to. See how um, much fun The doors are open. See how much fun we have. And just <laughs> just another way to get educated on soccer, in my opinion. We, we want people showing up and watching that. So feel free to. Do it. It's When when are those? Just for, for people listening? PM, South Campus Tuesday, Stadium? Thursday, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go out and do it. It's it's fascinating to watch. Uh, this is a team that does play really pretty soccer. We've talked about it, and you can sort of see the building blocks of that in the training sessions. It's really it's really fun. It's really interesting. If you have thoughts about this game at all, go out and do it. Make sure to make it to the two games this weekend, and then support the team through the conference tournament. Looking to head back to the NCAA tournament second year in a row. Second year in a row, third time in four years. It'd be pretty cool. I'm Andrew Houghton. This is the Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast. Thank you to Montana head coach Chris Chitovitsky. Thank you to Montana defender Taylor Hansen.